like to welcome you to our Wednesday night service and like to remind those that are listening by the way of the internet, these messages are pre-recorded and loaded up at the time that they will be preached on a Wednesday night and then on Sunday mornings as well. But just want to make you aware of these things. But it's the same message that our folks hear right here in the auditorium. And uh, I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you for joining us by the by the way of the internet. Please pray for us as we pray for you and that may the Lord help us and to reach our community for Christ. And I, again, thank God for your presence with us. And if you'd like to find your place in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And the title of the message is How to Love Life and See Good Days. I don't know a person that doesn't want to love life and see good days. Well, the Lord included this in the final words of Peter. And he tells us how to do that. I mean, God gives us the keys to loving life and seeing good days. And I tell you, the days that we're living in, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for Israel, we pray for all those involved in this fight, for our own country, for our military, and we thank God for those that are willing to pay the, the sacrifice, uh, to sacrifice themselves so that we can stay safe here at home. And, and I pray for our military, their families, and we honor them and thank God for them. And, uh, and it's because of them that we can love life and we can see good days. And I don't take that for granted. And uh, I thank God for our country. I love America. And, uh, but if you found your place here in 1 Peter chapter 3, this is the third message in this series. And it's the final words of Peter. And God used Peter, of all people, <laughs> you think about Peter. And uh, in 2 Peter 3, we looked at the um, expectation that God has for every one of his children. And that expectation is to grow in grace and to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when a child is born, a child is brought into a, a home, there's an expectation that that child will grow. And not only physically, but in maturity and in knowledge and spiritually speaking as well. And God expects the same for His children. And, and that's what we looked at in the first message there on the final words of Peter. And, and uh, can I just ask you, how's your spiritual growth? Have you come to a standstill or are you growing still? Because uh, you'll never reach a, a plateau where there's no need for growth and there's no need for you to, to go further with the Lord. And uh, unfortunately, many people get off at a certain station in life they just like a train that pulls up. You just get off and you say, I'm done. And uh, there's never a time, you know, Paul said, it's not that I've attained. You know, ain't none of us attained. And thank God one day we'll be in heaven and we'll, we'll know everything and we'll know, we'll have all that we need to know. But until then, we need to apply ourselves to grow. And you grow by reading and meditating uh, in the Word of God and applying the Word of God to your life. That's so important because you can read your Bible through and through. You can read it through four and five times a year. But if you don't apply what's in it to your life, then you're, you're not going to get anything. That's like, it, it, it's just like not, not putting into practice, not exercising. You're eating, you're eating, you're eating, but you're not exercising and getting stronger and applying uh, that food to your body. So may the Lord help us to grow in Him. And again, that's done daily. 
You know, I, I, don't know one, I don't know many people that only eat once a week and sometimes that's, that's all they do when they come to church. They come to church for 30 minutes and they'll listen to a 30-minute message and they expect that to last them all week and they, they wonder why they, they're just not involved. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting there and just, you know, they're, they're here. Thank God they're here. But the problem is, uh, you know, you're not growing. And uh, it takes more to grow than just 30-minute message on Sunday morning. I promise you that. And uh, you need to be meditating in God's Word daily and taking in a daily intake of His Word. And so I trust that you're growing. And the second message that we looked at in these final words of Peter series is in 2 Peter chapter 2. And the title of that message was Stay with God. And, and, and Peter just uh, encouraged the readers to just stay with God's Word. And we have a departing away from the Word of God today. Uh, even in our independent fundamental Baptist movement here, uh, that there's a departing from the Word of God. And it's a sad time. But Peter just say, stay with God's word, stay in God's will, stay in the work that God has put you in, and stay in his way. And I'm telling you, it's the best way, it's the right way, and that's the one you want to be in because that's where he's at, and I want to be where he's at. But he also encouraged us to stay with the plan of God for your life, stay with God's purpose for you, stay with God's provision, stay with God's power, and stay with God's people. And may the Lord help us. Here in 1 Peter chapter 3 through 5, Peter is instructing us on how to love life and see good days. You know, God knew that there would be perilous times that would come, and, and I pro they're here. Cut your, cut your TV on, watch the news, uh, Israel at war, America's involved, uh, our military's over there and, and, and other things. And there's multiple fronts that could develop from this. And, and we need to be in prayer. We need to be ready. We need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. We need to be praying for the mercy of God and, and for wisdom for those that are in leadership and for safety for those that are involved. And, and may the Lord help us, but God knew that we would one day be in perilous times and nonetheless uh, even in the days that we're living in we can love life and see good days. Uh, you know COVID is still being talked about and going around and but when, and that, but, but it, when it was really impacting people just a, a few years ago and, and, and things like that we could still love life uh, and see good days through COVID. Uh, we saw people get saved. We started a bus route. We gave out more gospel mailers and gospel tracts during that time uh, than, than, than years before and why is that? Hey you can still love life and see good days uh, even in the midst of perilous times if you'll just put that Things in the practice that God has in His Word for us. And may the Lord help us here as we read 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayer, unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? 
But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear." having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you, accuse your good conversation in Christ. Uh, hey, can I ask you tonight, do you love life? Uh, I, I do. I love life. I love the life that God has given me. And But you know right here is what's sad. The wisest man uh, that ever walked on earth outside of Jesus Christ, uh, his name was Solomon. But even Solomon, this wisest man, this king, this man that had everything, if you would, in this life, uh, he came to the point where he said that he hated life. Uh, I tell you, he lost his love for life. Uh, and if you hear, hear what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he says, Therefore I hated life. He didn't say, I love life. He said, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Uh, he got to the point where the work, the things that he was involved in, the things that he was pursuing, the things that had caught his attention were nothing but vanity and vexation of spirit. Uh, and Peter is telling us here, you don't have to get to that point. And God has given us his word on how to love life and see good days. Uh, we live in a day of great depression. We live in a day where people are depressed. I'm talking about Christians uh, are more depressed than ever before. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's most likely because they're not doing what God has for them to do. Uh, they're not living according to His Word. They're not getting the right kind of diet. They're not making themselves uh, available and exercising what they take in in their life. Uh, and I promise you that will cause you to feel sluggish. That'll cause you to feel like you've lost uh, your sense of purpose in this life. Uh, when God says, hey, uh, there's a life to love. There's good days to see. And Peter, Peter is telling us we don't have to get to the point like Solomon where we just hated life. Look, there's enough evil out there. In Matthew 6, 34, it says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I promise you that there's plenty of evil out there. But, but right here, it is, that right there has no effect on the fact that you can love life and see good days. I'm not asking if you love your hobbies. I'm not asking if you even love your family situation or, or your finances or your job or your health or your position in this life. I, I'm not asking you that. Why? Because hobbies change. I, the things that I'm into now, I wasn't into 20 years ago or maybe 30 years ago or as a child at 10 years old for real. Hobbies change. Family situations change. Finances change change. Jobs, they change. Our health is ever changing. So if we're to love life and see good days, then we cannot base our love for life on things that can change. And there, there's, there are many Christians who, who get discouraged 
And they get discouraged in this area because their love for life is determined on those things that can change. Well, I just can't do this no more. I can't do that no more. And all of a sudden they get in a place where I don't love life anymore. They're discouraged and they don't even see the good days that God has put before them. Can I just say that you can be in the worst health there is, the worst financial health there is, the, the worst family situation that you could ever imagine being in and still love life and see good days. And Peter tells us how to do that. He's given us some keys here on how to have a good life, to love life and to see good days. Look at verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, uh, and right here it is, here's number one. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak uh, no guile. How many of you would be uh, honest enough to say that uh, your mouth, uh, the words that came out of your mouth uh, has gotten you in trouble before? I know I'm guilty. I'll raise both hands on that. How about this? How many of you could say that someone else could have had a better day if they'd kept their mouth shut on top of that? I can raise both hands like that as well. But you know, the day that I surrendered to the call of God on my life, I was involved in a car wreck. That morning, that Sunday morning, I just laid everything on the altar and I just told the Lord that I, I was just making myself available, whatever He wanted with my life. Uh, I totally surrendered everything that I owned, everything that I had, everything that I was, my family, my finances. I said, Lord, everything is yours. And after that, we sent the bus, had the bus uh, children home that Sunday, and we had fed them pizza there, and I was going home to sleep. I worked third shift, and uh, even on the weekends, I had to work third shift, but I didn't miss church or what was going on at church. I'd sleep uh, just a few hours in between services, but I was heading home to get some rest uh, after I just got through surrendering my life uh, to the call of God for me. And, and I was heading home happy as I could be. And I was eating a slice of pizza. And uh, I stopped. There was a car in front of me that was turning left. So I came to a, a stop there as they were waiting on oncoming traffic to be able to turn left. And I looked up as I had a bite of pizza in my mouth. I looked up into the rear view mirror there and I saw a car that was coming and it was not stopping. It did not see me. Matter of fact, I couldn't even see the head of that person because they were down fiddling with something down in their car and they hit me in the back of my car. Well, my pizza went flying up against the instrument panel <laughs> and stuck right there. And I mean, I didn't even realize that. I mean, because I was just, you know, in shock there about being hit and things like that. My neck was hurting. My back was hurting at that point in time. And so I, I got out of the car and I went and checked on the person behind me to make sure they were okay. And it was a lady from the church. It was one of the single moms from our church there. And and she didn't have her children with her. She was by herself, and she'd wind up running into the back of my car, and, and her car seemed like to have more damage than, than mine did, but come to find out, there was a lot more than I thought. But, but when the police officer got there, she was fine and calm until the police officer got there. Then all of a sudden, 
her attitude changed and she began to, to say things she shouldn't say. And as the police officer was being kind and being respectful to her, and she, she started just, uh, I'm just going to use the word mouthing off, if you would, there. And she started just running her mouth and she was not refraining her tongue from evil. And, and uh, the police officer told her to, just to stay right there and he was going to come talk to me. And when he got to me, he said, do you know this person? I said, yes, sir. I said, they go to church down here with us. And, and, uh, and it's one of the single moms there. And he says, well, he said, you, you need to talk to her. He said, because, uh, you know, from the things that she's saying, she's about to get hauled off. And, and, and it, it, it wasn't out for dinner. And, uh, and he told me, he said, you need, to, you need to talk to her. And uh, so I went over there and I tried to calm her down, say, hey, look, you know, you, you're going to have to stop. I said, this, this guy's about to take you in. And it's all because, you know, you're, you're running that, them gums there. And, and uh, I said, look, you, you got to stop. I tried to reason with her. But that police officer was about ready to take her. But, it, but, it, but you know, I, 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 and I, I'm just using that as an illustration there about the Bible says to refrain our tongue to refrain our tongue from, from evil. And, and we got to be careful. Yes, yeah, she had a bad, she made a bad decision and, and an accident happened, but you know what? You, you can't sin. <laughs> Even in that situation, you, you need to be thankful that God kept you safe and no one got hurt and, and God would take care of fixing things. But it's interesting though for me in 1 Peter chapter 3 here, Peter starts the marriage off with count, this, the first, the chapter 3 with marriage counseling. It's interesting. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Uh, and, and I mean, he, he, this right here is starting with a marriage situation. And I think verse 10 applies pretty good there. If you want to survive in your marriage, and you better learn to refrain your tongue from evil and your lips uh, from speaking guile. And, and I'm telling you, God's got to help us there, and especially to keep us from unkind words. You know, people say words don't hurt, but that's not true. Uh, there's people across our campuses here and universities that are literally feeling afraid right now because of the words of others. Uh, people that are protesting and, and being anti-Semitic and, and they're, they're saying things against the Jews. And, and, uh, and, all, and now the, these young people that, that, that felt at freedom there for a while, now all of a sudden they don't feel that way anymore. And they're hurt uh, by these words. Uh, words do hurt. And, and, and if I don't, I promise you around here at the church, if I don't get fussed at or cussed at by somebody that's coming by the church wanting me to do something for them that I cannot do, that I can legitimately, Legitimately not do for them. Their expectations of what the church is is different than what God says it is. And, and they expect things and want things. Uh, I'm going to tell you, if I don't get fussed at or cussed at at least once a week, uh, it's a slow week. And, and thank God it don't happen every week. But I, 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 I like them slow weeks. But you know, even though they get upset at me, I still have to refrain my tongue from evil and I have to do something with the words that are said because we don't have a delete button. We don't have erase or, or you know, just like it never happened. There's no redo or, oh, I can go back a few minutes. Oh, I never heard what was said. Words hurt. Job's wife, you know, she encouraged him to curse God and die. 
Job had never heard those words from his wife before. They, they had been married for years. They had children together. They had a family together, a home together. They had a fortune together. And he had never heard the words that came out of Miss Job's mouth when she said, curse God and die. Do you think that hurt Job? Sure it hurt him. It hurt Job. And, and I just wonder what was she implying by that? Was she just thinking of him and thinking, hey, you would be better off dead? But in that same phrase, it's the flip side of that coin would be that she thought she'd be better off without him. Words hurt. Uh, you know, they once had a family together, a fortune together, but when the circumstance of, of her life and his life changed, so did her love for the life that she had. All of a sudden, that man that used to rejoice her heart, she's looking at him say, curse God and die. Words hurt. Job's friends accused him of sinning against God. And we all know they were wrong. Job knew they were wrong but their words still hurt. Uh, you see, Job still had to do something with the words that they spoke. In Job 19, 2, it says, How long will ye vex my soul, Job is saying to his friends, and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have ye reproached me, he said. Just a little side note, how many times did Job's wife uh, vex his soul and break him in pieces and reproach him? Well, the answer is only once. Ten times, Job said, you've reproached me and vexed me and break me. You see, Job's response to his wife uh, was that of the spiritual leader of the home. I don't believe that he used a harsh tone when he said, Thou speakest as a foolish woman that speaketh. What? Shall, shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Uh, even with his life and her life had been turned upside down, Job did not fail to be the spiritual leader of his house. Uh, and can I just say for many homes, uh, that would have been the last straw there would have been a divorce because of that. But hey, Job's wife, no, she, she got quiet. Why did she get quiet? Because I believe she got right. In Proverbs 10, 19, it says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. It's important to note that Job's wife refrained her lips. Yes, she had a moment of weakness. She had a moment where she, she looked at Job and it's for a minute it seems like she didn't appreciate the life. She lost the love of life itself. And she said, curse God and die. I'd be better off without you. But it says that she even refrained her lips. Because all it took for her was a reminder of, of, of Job's responsibility and her responsibility before God. And I believe she was good with that. She humbled herself before the Lord and accepted the truth. And that's why at the end of Job, when you read through the chapter and you get to the end of Job, God doesn't call out Job's wife. He calls out his friends for what they said. If we're to love life and see good days, then we got to be quick to get back in line with God when we fail, especially in this area of refraining our tongues. 
You know, in the latter end of Job, Mrs. Job was glad. She was glad that she fell back in line with God. The first thing that God brings up as a way for us to love life and see good days is us for, to refrain our tongue from evil. Do you think Peter knew a little something about what he's writing? How many times did Peter say the wrong thing? He even rebuked the Lord. He denied Jesus. He even cursed and swore. But you know, none of those actions, none of those words, none of those times in his life led him to love life more and to see good days. No, they made him miserable. That's why he's saying, look, if we're going to love life and see good days, we're going to have to refrain our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking guile. That word guile means deceit. You know, drinking and drugging and saying we're a Christian, it don't work. Cursing and using God's name in vain and say we're a Christian, that doesn't work. Hanging out with others that don't use the same Bible as we do, the King James Bible, and have embraced the ways of the world, the music of the world, the actions of the world, the dress of the world, and say, but I'm an independent fundamental Baptist. That does not work. If you, you will never love life and see good days if you're straddling the fence between the world and holiness. You'll never enjoy uh, loving the life that God has given you unless you're all in for Him. Either you're all surrendered to Him or you have guile in your life. Uh, You've got some deceit in your life. And the Bible says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. We can't have any guile. If you're going to love life and see good days, you've got to be all in. Second thing that God gives us to love life and see good days is found in verse 11. In verse 11 it says, Let him eschew evil and do good. If you want to love life and see good days, the Bible says, Let him eschew evil and do good. You know, it's not good enough... Uh, it's not enough, if you would, to just not sin. Now, now, don't take me wrong. It's a great thing to not sin. But God says that's not enough. You're going to have to do something, and it has to be good as well. well I hear people all the time say, well, I don't do this, and I don't do that. Okay, that's wonderful, but what good do you do? Do you go to church faithfully? Well, I mean, I don't hang out with these folks and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I mean, I get that, but what good are you doing? He said, the Bible says, let him eschew evil. That means get away from what's wrong, but then you got to do good as well. Can I ask you this? Do you tithe? Do you witness? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? Have you presented your body a living sacrifice unto Him which is holy and acceptable unto God? And that's just your reasonable service. Okay, it's good that you don't do these bad things, but are you doing what God expects of you as well? Do you live a life that's pleasing unto Him? In James 4.17 it says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him is a sin. 
Well, I know I should be faithful and I know I should be doing more and I know I ought to be reading my Bible more and I, I know I ought to be witnessing more and I know I should be making myself more available and I know I should quit doing this and I know I should quit doing that and I know my priorities aren't just right. Uh, hey, well, whatever it may be, the Bible says if you know to do good and you don't do it, then you're not eschewing evil. The Bible says that's a sin. The third requirement that God gives us to love life is also found in verse 11 at the, the last part. It says, let him seek peace and ensue it. You know, there are several aspects of peace. Do you have peace with God? Are you saved? If not, then you need to ensue that peace today. You, you need to call on the Lord and be saved. And Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, has your sin become too heavy to bear? Has your attempts at religion become too heavy to bear? Then why don't you just come to Jesus and He'll give you rest. You know, what Jesus did on the cross and through His death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing that can save you. But for those of us that are saved, and I, I want to thank the majority are that are listening right now and those that are here on Wednesday night, uh, you're, you're, you're most likely saved. So let me ask you this. Do you have the peace of God? Because you see, unconfessed sin will cause you to lose the peace of God. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about having peace. Because when you sin, it ought to bother you. And you're going to lose that rest, that peace that you had. See, troubles and trials will rob you of peace as well. If you need peace today, then you must ensue it. Many times it's in those dark times and troublesome times of our life that we lose our peace and we lose our love for the life that God has given us. You remember the disciples when they were in the middle of the sea and a terrifying storm had come up and they, they had no peace until they called on the Lord and they went to Him for help. Maybe you need to go to the Lord tonight and go to Him for help. Do you need peace today? Has something robbed you of your peace? Sin can rob you of your peace. Unconfessed sin. That means continuously doing things that you know is wrong to do. It'll rob you of the peace that you could be having. The Bible says you better seek after it and ensue it. That means get to Jesus because He's the Prince of Peace. If you want to love life and see good days, then... Seek peace. That word ensue there means to follow, to succeed, to come after. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I tried. And then another person said, well, how hard did you try? And they'll give them a long list of things that they could have done more. Well, did you try this? Did you try that? Did, did, did you try this option? Have you tried all these things? You see, people want their problems to go away and they want everything fixed in their life, uh, but they don't want to do what the Bible says. They won't ensue peace. Jesus said if we're to follow Him, then we must take up our cross. To ensue means there has to be an effort. 
we, we have to put forth an effort to succeed. Have you ever heard the saying, if at first you don't succeed, then try again? How many Christians want peace in their life, but they simply fail to get it because they stop short? They want everything fixed, but they don't want to put forth any effort to ensue it. You know, most times peace is not achieved simply because there's a lack of humility. If two factions or sides are not getting along, then there'll never be peace until one or both sides humble themselves. You say, what, what is the key to peace in Israel right now? It's humility. If we're to love life and see good days, then we must follow God's word on the matter. We must keep our tongues from evil. We must eschew evil. We must seek peace. With the Lord's help, I'll finish this message next week. But can I just remind you that a loss of spiritual focus will cause you to lose the love of life that God wants you to have. It'll cause you to not see good days. A loss of dedication to the Lord can, can cause you to lose a love for life and, and to see good days when you're not dedicated to the Lord as you should be. A lack of availability to the Lord will also cause you to love life, to, to not love life and see good days. A lack of fellowship with God's people will cause you to, love, to lose your love for life, to lose your sense of purpose. A lack of faithfulness to the house of God will also cause you to lose your love for life. And any unconfessed sin in your life will cause you to lose that love. Are you getting a steady diet of God's Word? Is your body still on the altar as a living sacrifice? holy and acceptable unto God? Are you fully surrendered to Him? Or has something else caused you to lose that love for life and caused you not to see good days? God wants to help you tonight.